Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. I want you to open this morning to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to go back to Philippians chapter 1 for a minute. So if you missed a service on Wednesday night and Sunday night, go back to our Vimeo site and go through that, those two services. We also printed out more of the handouts available to you as we covered in those two services all of what the Bible says of 16 points of what love is. For us to walk in anything victorious as a believer, it's required of us to walk in the love of God. Your faith will not work without the love of God in your life. Galatians 5, 6. We want to walk in the power of Pentecost. I want to walk in a greater power of Pentecost than I've ever walked in before. I want to see that glory in and through my life help people. I don't want it for me. I don't want it for people to see me. I want it for people to be delivered. I want it for people to see my Father. I want it for people to be touched by God, delivered by the power of God. But for that to work, guess what? We've seen clearly in Scripture that for the power of God to work in our life, what must we do as believers? We must clearly walk in love. We're going to see we've got to pursue it as a believer here in just a minute. So we went over with you on Sunday night and Wednesday night from 1 Corinthians 13, from the original Greek writings of those Scriptures in verses 4 through 8, what God's love is. And we're going to explain to you today, you ready? I'm going to give you some simple practical things in your life that will help you walk in the love of God. Amen. So it's one thing to know what that love is, and that's a part of what we're going to talk about in relationship to walking in it. But how do we walk in the love of God? How do we give ourselves to this love of God? The cool part about it is if you think about it, I mean, seriously, the love of God that was shed abroad in your heart, Romans 5, 5, by the Holy Spirit when you got born again, was a part of God. It's already in you. It's already there. And so you and I get to the privilege of getting to allow God to, to actually be seen through us as well by walking in that love. Amen? So what I want to do today is I want to share with you some simple things, handful of simple things that will help me and you to walk in the love of God. Now, the more I walk in the love of God, where will that help me? It will not just help me in the power of the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God in my life. It will help me in my relationships. It will help me in my faith walk. Because again, I've told you this many times. Brother Hagin said, if my faith did not work, the first place I checked was my love walk. Because I will guarantee you, love is the key buffer that's necessary for the power of God to go in operation. If you don't want the power of God to be hindered in your life personally and working through your life personally, you better learn how to walk in love. Amen? Because I'll guarantee you, I think of it this way in relationship to uh, uh, it, it was a powerful statement. I remember hearing a story by John G. Lake. There was a guy in his day who came to his offices when he was back here in Washington, and he wanted to pray for him for healing. And so as he came into his office and sat down, he was telling him what all was wrong with him. And this is why we need the gifts of the Spirit, folks. And so while he's telling him all that's wrong with him, before he goes to lay hands on him, he said, you know what? 
There's some, the Holy Spirit keeps bringing back this $5,000, $5,000. What's this $5,000? And he said, uh, I think you might be talking about some money that actually I took from a business that was me and my brother's. Explain further. He said, well, me and my brother were in a business. And he said, he passed away. He's got a wife. And so she became the inheritor of what was his out of the business. So I paid her off of the money that was owed her out of the business. But I had done some extra work on the side. I never said anything to her or obviously to any family members. But I held back an extra $5,000 because I felt like I deserved it. Does love do things because it deserves it? He looked at him, he said, now he knew by the Holy Spirit. All he knew up, up, up until that time, this is what we'll learn about when we get in the gifts of the Spirit. God didn't tell him all that. God kept saying $5,000, $5,000. So he mentions it to him. Now, as the guy actually brings the story up, the Holy Spirit gives him some more words. And he said, I'm going to tell you what. He said, he said here's the deal. Over, he said, you have that $5,000? Oh, I got more than that. He said, see over here on my desk, there's an envelope and some paper. He said, you have a checkbook with you? I said, you, you go over, you write a note to your sister-in-law. You tell her you owed her this money. You put it in that envelope. You write your check, stick it in there. There's a, there's a post office just right around the corner down the street. You go down there and mail it. And after you've done that, you come back to my office and I'll pray for you. So the guy did. Well, he did come back to the office. But guess what? John G. Lake didn't pray for him. You know why? He didn't have to. The moment he actually mailed the thing and he was walking back to John G. Lake's office, his healing manifested. Why? You got to walk in love. Right. You got to walk in love. Love doesn't take advantage of other people's money. Love doesn't steal from people. Come on, love's not covetous. It don't take what doesn't belong to it. Can I get a better amen? So I'm telling you folks, love is critical in our life to understand in relationship to the things of God. Amen? This is something you got to learn and get a hold of and never stop studying. Philippians chapter 1, we've seen this verse several times. I want to bring it back to your attention. In these things now, we're talking about of practical things that will help us to walk in the love of God as a child of God. Verse 9, And this I pray again, Paul said to the Philippians, that your love may abound still more and more. How? In knowledge and all discernment. So I'm praying that your love would abound more and more, but it's going to do so how? In knowledge and all discernment. If you want to see the love of God abound in your life, say amen. amen. For that to happen, guess what you got to have? Knowledge and discernment. Now, I'm not going to take time as we touched on this already in the last couple services in dealing with the details of that, but this is number one. These are going to be simple. won't take us long. I'm going to go through these with you. How many of you want to learn how to walk in the love of God better? Okay, number one, we must have what? We must have knowledge of God's love. To abound in God's love, we have to have knowledge of God's love. I pray that you would abound in God's love, how? With knowledge and discernment. So simplify that, Pastor. You can't walk in God's love if you don't really know what God's love looks like. And you got to understand this. Satan has a counterfeit for everything. And I will guarantee it. He will get Christians walking in what they think is God's love when they're being taken advantage of. Because they didn't walk in the knowledge of what God's love said love is, and they didn't therefore walk in what? Discernment. Realize we need to reveal the love of God, but we got to stay in line with the Scripture if we're going to truly walk in the love of God. i got to know what that love looks like. So that's what we did the last two services. Those sheets are on the back, on the back table. I gave you all 16 things out of 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 4 to 8, as to knowing this is what God's love is like. This is what actual God's love 
is like. Does God actually, does his love celebrate a relationship to aspects of lifestyle that are wrong? Does he celebrate those wrongdoings? No, he does not. And yet a lot of people actually overlooking those things in people's lives and in essence are celebrating them. But doesn't love speak the truth? It sure does. Because guess what sets people free? It's not love, it's truth. The truth sets people free. So we got to understand that we're not to beat people over the head, not at all. But at the same time, if all I ever did, can you imagine this? If all I ever did with a sinner that I knew that was walking in sin, if all I ever did is treat them in a sense of what I thought was love by being sweet and nice and kind to them, but I never talk to them about the sin nature of the heart. I never bring up the fact that they have a broken relationship with God. I never do that. Guess what? I really never did. I never really loved them. Because uh, can you imagine? I loved them to hell. I loved them not even tell them the truth to bring them out of what they're bound by. But if you really love people, guess what? You tell them the truth. So understand again, love has to walk in knowledge and what? Discernment. And we even talked about the discernment part, about the fact that everybody around you that might need help or want something from you doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to help them without understanding discernment according to the Bible. Amen? So again, very clear. Your love will abound more and more. How? In knowledge. And discernment. You can't abound in something you don't know what it is. You have to know what it is. You have to know biblically what it is. There's Christians that claim they're abounding in love, but not the love of God, not the love of the Bible. And therefore, even though they think they are, they're somewhat deceived because they don't really know or understand what the Bible teaches about what God's love is. Therefore, they really aren't, even though they think they are. What's the greatest thing Satan could do to anybody? Make you think you're walking in the love of God when you're not. But praise God, we can walk in that love and we need to. I said we need to. Our God is love and our world needs to see God. But you and I have to understand, we have to have knowledge of that love. Could I get any good amens on that? So again, number one, what what must we do to walk in the love of God? We have to have knowledge of God's love. So what do we base it on? I love what Terry Mize says. You do not live your life in the sense of, of a successful believer by your experiences. You don't go by experiences. You know what you go by? The Word of God. You go by the Word of God because your experiences can lead you astray. How many know Satan has the ability to deceive and mislead through experiences, even supernatural manifestations? Was there not a guy in the book of Acts named Simon who was a sorcerer? And the people thought he was the great power of God. They were deceived. They thought this guy was truly operating under the power of God, but he wasn't. He was operating under the demonic uh, deceiving powers of Satan. But it was obviously, it wasn't real clear that that was Satan working in his life or they would have never thought it was the power of God, would they? They never would have. They would have known this is not God. This is the devil. But they didn't know that. They actually thought it was God. So again, we got to have knowledge. Say knowledge. We got to have knowledge of the love of God to walk in it as to what scripture actually teaches us the love of God looks like and how the love of God operates. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. So in 1 Corinthians 14, you're obviously just coming out of chapter 13, the love chapter. So we'll add a couple verses here with this in context to walking in love. Again, in 1 Corinthians 13, you actually go into talking here. And if you don't realize it, just stop and think about this. How many of you know what the heart of chapter 12 is about? Chapter 12 is about both the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of Jesus, the gifts of the Father, and the body. So it's all about the body and all these gifts God gave to the body to function in the body with. Right? 
all these gifts he wants us to function in. But guess what he primarily starts focusing on as he brings it back up towards the end, the gifts of the Spirit. So then he starts talking about these gifts of the Spirit. How many know what 1 Corinthians 14 is about? It's about the operation of those gifts. Because in the church of, the, of, of Corinth, they were operating in some of these gifts, but they were misusing them in some ways. So he's trying to correct them about these gifts. Well, guess what's centered right in the middle of what God's talking about relationship to these gifts? Love. Why? Because love makes them work. Right. Love, makes them work. <laughs> love makes them work. If we're not seeing the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our life, there's primarily, now there's some others, but there's primarily two reasons. We're ignorant about the gifts or we're not walking in love. You certainly can't be used by the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit if you don't know what they are. And he's wanting to use you, right? He can't, what did the Bible tell us in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1? I don't want you ignorant about spiritual things. You need to not have ignorance when it comes to these things. You need to know about them, which if you don't know tonight, we're going to start teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Tonight, we'll start getting into these gifts and explaining them again and understanding them. So we got to know about them. But the second thing is, you got to walk in love. And he's about to show you that here in just a minute, all right? So in 1 Corinthians 13 again, if you look at the bottom of the verse, it says again in verse 13, now abide. Say now. now. So he's talking about, because right before this, he's talking about going to heaven, right? When you get to heaven, how many excited to go to heaven? Yes. That's like half of you. How many excited to get to go to heaven? Any idea how glorious that's going to be? Wow. Walking on streets of gold that people are, you know, fighting over trying to get it here on the earth. And you're going to pave streets with it, you know. I mean, seeing the whole context of the beauty of what God created in heaven for us to enjoy. Let alone getting to experience the Father and Jesus. And I'm telling you, man, I'm going after all these little side people that very few people have really talked about or thought much about in the Bible. I want to go talk to the widow that gave that uh, prophet her, her little cake first. I want to go talk to her. I want to find out what she was thinking in the midst of all that. And how she was so, uh, in context her heart, so set on obviously obeying God because she did what the prophet said. These people intrigue me. They're like, wow, the, how, about the, how about the little widow with the two mites? I want to meet her. I want to talk to her. Uh, you got my Jesus' attention. You grabbed his attention in the temple that day. Of all the people given that day, here you were. And the only one he pointed out was you giving those two little mites. All you had left. What a woman of, what an incredible woman of faith you are. To see that you actually put that kind of faith in our God to know he would take. See, these are the people that really intrigue me. That I want to meet. Obviously, sure, who doesn't want to meet Moses and Noah and all those guys? But these little side people are the ones that I want to talk to to meet. That, that a lot of times you don't know their name. Right? It's just a person mentioned the sense of a male or a female. So I want you to see this again in verse 13. He's talking in the time you're living in now, abide in what? Faith, hope, and love. So what, what should we get really good at walking in as a child of God in this time? Faith, hope, and love. Right? So you begin with hope because hope's the goal setter. Hope comes from staying in the Word, learning what the Bible says. As it relates to the gifts of the Spirit, it's learning what we get the privilege of operating in. And then faith begins to do what? As you begin to hear these things and continue to meditate on them and speak them to yourself, faith begins to rise up and faith does what? Faith becomes a substance of what you were hoping for, right? Faith gives substance to what you were hoping for, but then you got to have what? Love, because without love, Galatians 5, 6, your faith won't work. And that's why he says, now abide in faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? 
Now remember again, we're talking about love based on what the Bible reveals to us in these previous verses as to what God's love looks like. I mentioned it Wednesday night. You know, a lot of people know this. I mean, how hard is it to figure out when God talks about in the Bible his son looking at a person with love? Can you imagine seeing that, that look? He looked upon him with love. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? To look in the eyes of Jesus and know he's looking at you with love. But that same Jesus also called some people whitewashed sepulchers. It was the same loving Jesus. I said it was the same loving Jesus. Most people would not think, well, that's not love. Are you, You're saying Jesus wasn't love? Is that what you're saying? Because he called them whitewashed sepulchers, he's not love? Sure he is. Why did he say that to them? You are deceived, boys, and you're deceiving others. And you're leading them down a devastating, uh, destructive, and totally, uh, obviously harmful trail by drawing them away from me and the salvation that I offer. Amen? So guess what love does? Love obviously shows people, I have a way for you to come up out of what you're in, including if you're a Pharisee. He didn't say that to put them down. He said that to try to open their eyes and say, hey, stop doing this. Come to the truth that I am the Messiah. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on what I have for you. Amen? So in chapter 14, verse I wanted to get to, verse 1, watch this. Underline the first two words. Say them out loud with me, please. Pursue love. Say a little louder, please. Shout it one time. So again, if you go back to chapter 12, verse 31, he tells us to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, and I show you a more excellent way, meaning that you got to tie to that the love of God. And now in chapter 14, verse 1, what does he tell you of these things that you're supposed to pursue first? Not the gifts. Not the gifts. What are you supposed to pursue first? Love. Make love the pursuit, not the gifts. You listening? Don't make the gifts the pursuit. Make love the pursuit. Notice the next phrase. And desire spiritual gifts. Now the phrase desire here is the same as back in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Earnestly desire. Earnestly desire. So you should have a desire for these gifts. But if, if, if love is your first pursuit, what's the purpose of the gifts? I want to set people free. I want them to see my Father. I don't want people that get a, a focus on the pursuit of gifts and not a pursuit of love, primarily like the, and the Corinthians were doing that, primarily do so. Why? Because they just want to be seen as somebody big. They just want it because of what the attention it brings to them. But love doesn't do that. Love's desire is to free other people. Love's desire is to help other people. So you got to do what? Pursue love first, but you also got to do what? Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may what? Now, of all the gifts of the Spirit, we'll get into this as we get into these gifts later. Of all the gifts of the Spirit, uh, guess which one he told you to desire the most? Prophecy. Prophecy. You know what you should never do? You should never put somebody down for operating in this type of prophecy. Never, ever, never. If they're inspired by God, what are those words going to be? Words of exhortation, words of edification, words of comfort. You know what the church needs? Exhortation, building up, edification and comfort, right? Exhorting them actually is pushing them on to come on, you can make it, God will help you. Edifying, building them up, right? And then comforting. That's why he said above all, desire that you may prophesy. You'll find out later, he says, you may all prophesy. You may all prophesy words of exhortation, edification, and comfort. Back to our point today, we're talking about walking in love. Here's number two, you ready? You must daily pursue to walk in love. You want to walk in love? Anybody? Yes. Yes, no, maybe? What do you got to do? Daily pursue. 
You got to daily pursue walking in God's love. It's not just going to come out of you. It's not just going to pop through your lips and through your hands and what you do. Not just going to come out of you. You know, love is willing to be inconvenienced. God's love is willing to be inconvenienced. I have many times in my life in a position where I was actually busy, hurrying, think I got all this stuff to do, and knowing I was in a position to help somebody, didn't want to take the time to do so, and then realize, you know what I'm doing? I'm not walking in love here. I need to set aside my agenda. God needs me to do this. I need to do what God needs me to do. And I need to do it like I want to. Can I get a better amen? Amen. I got this call from our police chief. One of our, thank God for her, one of our uh, ladies here, our police officers here. We've been trying every way to find this elderly lady, an air conditioner for her trailer house. And I mean, these 100 degree temperatures, she has no air conditioning. I said, what? She had no air conditioning. We're trying to find some organization. Some we've, we've run out of options. I don't know who else to call but you. Aren't you glad they know to call our church? Amen. Amen. That's because of you. That's not me. It's because of what we do. Right. And she said, I knew to call your church. Now, listen, there's other churches in our community. Nothing against them. She may have called. I don't know. She just said, I knew to call you. I'm not putting them down. I thank God for all that they do. There's all of our churches helping our community in many ways. She called and said, I want to know, could you help her out? I said, listen, the moment she spoke it, the Lord said, get her an air conditioner. I said, okay, I'll get it. So you know what I'm thinking, right? Because I'm always like, go, 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 go. That's what to do. No problem. I'll get it. And so when I found out about it, can you get me in contact with the guy that knows her? So she did. So I called him. And as I talked to him, he's not a family member. They're just actually friends, known her for about nine months. And he said, yeah, we've been trying to find some way to get her one. I wish I could buy one. So, oh, no problem. I'll get it. Can somebody install it? Because I'm thinking, right, regular window. You know, it's a little window unit. You know, you just stick it in the window. Right? That's what I'm thinking. And, he, and so I get to talking to him. He said, you can't buy our window unit. I said, why? Said, well, she got a travel trailer, but it's an old travel trailer. It has the crank-up windows. You know, little crank-up windows? The little bottom piece kind of just cranks up a little bit. You know, it's curved on the sides on the end. You can't, it's too small to even put a window unit in. You couldn't fit in there if you want to. You'd have to cut a hole in the side of the trailer, put a window unit. I'm like, okay, so what does she need? Well, you know those little stand-up portable ones? Yeah. He said, they're just as good. He said, you can get her a standard portable one. She can just stand it on the floor, you know, and hook it up. I said, great, wonderful. I've never had one. Anybody ever had one of these? Yeah. I've never had one. So I run, to, I run to Home Depot. I find one big enough for her trailer. I get it. I start coming back. And, of course, when I get there, I'm starting to look at the direction and stuff like, uh-oh, i got to hook this hose up. This guy has somewhere to vent this heat out. Well, where am I going to do that? Right. And of course, guess what it has? It has a normal attachment for a normal window. <laughs> I can't, I'm standing outside her deal, you know, with this thing in my hand trying to figure out how could I hook uh, No way to really hook it in there. And so initially, you know, I'm thinking oh, I'll just stuff some, you know, I'll just stuff some stuff around it, you know, to make it work or whatever and hook something up. And I thought, then what happens if it falls out? Yeah. What's she going to do? I thought, no, and you know, this, I'm, I'm just this way about everything I do. I said, would I do that if this was my place? No, wouldn't do that. So here I am with the schedule for the day, and love saying, can I interrupt your schedule? Because she ain't got nobody else to hook this up. Wonderful, you got a bot, and it's sitting here, but don't do her any good without hooking it up. And I said, you know what? Let me go back to my church. I didn't plan on this. Let me go get some tools and see if I can figure this out. So I came back, started thinking about it and all that, got an idea. Got a piece of plywood, went back, and I said, would you mind? Because we were going to have to cut her screen. It wouldn't come out. We are going to have to cut it to get this hose out. I said, I don't really want to cut your screen. And it's an old trailer. It's a really old trailer. I said, would you mind if I actually make a piece of plywood to go over where that screen is and screw it on the inside here? And I can attach that. Th- oh, no, that'd be fine. That'd be good. So I did. See, love has to be willing to be interrupted. Right? 
Love isn't just about convenience. And what can I do? Because I got time. If God really wants you to do something, are you willing to be inconvenienced? You got to be willing to be inconvenienced. Sad to say I've missed God before by not being willing to be inconvenienced. How about you? And I don't want to do that. I said, I don't want to do that. So I got to do what? Pursue love. So pursuing love means daily I'm pursuing this love walk to be able to live out what God's love would do. Not just once in a while, not just when I feel like I need it. I'm pursuing it every day. I'm pursuing to treat people the way that I would want them to treat me every day. Thank you for your amends about that. I'm pursuing to use a tone of voice with people that I would want them to use with me. Say to them what I would want them to say to me. You got to pursue that. It's not just going to happen. If you don't pursue that, your flesh will overrule. Your flesh will jump in and obviously you won't do what love would do. And that's not good. So I got to pursue it. Go to 1 John chapter 2. Say hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2. There's nothing better we could learn to develop ourselves in than this love walk. It'll help us see the power of God functioning in our life personally. It'll help us see the gifts of the Spirit functioning through us, both within the church and outside of the church, and it will help us to reveal the Father to the world. And again, Jesus didn't just reveal the Father to the world. John 14 is clear. He didn't do that just by speaking niceties. How did he reveal the Father? The power of God. Setting people free. Remember what he said? He said, the works I do, it's not me that does it. It's the Father in me. What did he say right before? That if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because of the power of God. Because of the freeing effect of God's power to deliver people and set people free. That's going to really show them there's a Father in heaven. Can I get a better amen? Uh, We all need to be kind and gracious and all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's worldly people. Seriously, there's people that aren't born again that are fairly kind and gracious. I've come across some. How about you? And we should be. But guess what we have they don't have? Power of God to help set people free. And that's why we want to walk in love. Amen? First John chapter 2. You still with me? First John chapter 2. I want you to see this. We're going to look at several things here in context of these verses. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. First John. Am I in the right place? Let me back up. Look, make sure. I am. First John chapter 2 verse 3. Now by this we know. No, watch this. This is powerful. By this we know that we know him. In other words, this is how you know whether you really know God. The phrase here to know him, you'll see this over and over again in this, in this book. So the phrase here to know him refers to having an intimate relationship with God. So we know it's not just know about him. It's to really walk close with God. So he says, this is how you know that you have this intimate close walk with God if we do what? If we, that's not a cuss word. So what, what do you say? If we do what? If we keep his commandments. This is how you know you're walking in intimacy with God because you do what? What do you do? You keep his commandments. Jesus says something very similar in John uh, chapter 14. Verse 4, he who says I know him. Now that's intimacy again. It's not just know about him. This is intimacy. He says that I know him and does not keep his commandments is what? What is he? He's a liar and the truth is not in him. So what, do you mean, what does he mean the truth is not in him? He's not born again? No. But the guy who says I really am intimate with God. I have an intimate walk with God. But they don't keep his commandments. Guess what they're doing? They're lying. They may not know it, but they are. They're not telling the truth. They're not speaking the truth. Let's say it the Bible. Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, whoever keeps what? His word. Truly the love of God is what? Perfected in him. That means it's come to maturity. 
So there's a key here, obviously, in walking in love, tying back to the word, knowing the word. Because if you know the word and what he says again, how we're to walk in love, and you do that, then guess what? His word has become perfected, or in essence, his word has taken root in you. His word has now caused the love of God to be manifest in you. Amen. But, but, but whoever keeps his word, this love of God is perfected, comes to completion and manifestation in him. Watch this. By this... By this, we know that we are in him. Now, the phrase here again is that we are in an intimate relationship with God. I wish they would have actually translated it that way. Some versions do. So by me and you keeping his word, doing what the Bible says we are to do in relationship to our walk with God and walking in love, this is proof that I'm intimate with God. Because if I'm intimate with God, guess what he's going to do? He's going to rub off on you. Verse 5, you ready? He who says he abides in God. Again, the phrase here is intimacy with the Lord. Abide means I'm one. I'm, I'm walking in this intimate one, one relationship with the Lord. He ought himself also to walk just as he what? Walk. Just as he walked. Right. Obviously. Amen. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. And that old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. What was the old commandment? Does anybody remember? Love the Lord your God. All your heart, all your soul, your strength, all your mind, right? Now he adds another one to and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not like you haven't heard it before. I'm just reminding you of it. Verse 8, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light, walking in this intimate, close relationship with God, you know, God is light. Walk in this intimate, close relationship with God, but he hates his brother, he's in darkness. Now again, notice he said, and hates his brother. So he's not denying he's born again. He wouldn't be a brother to you, a brother in the context of the Lord if you weren't born again. But if you're not walking in the light, being meaning what? I'm not walking in God's love. I'm not walking in this position of intimacy with God, revealing his love clearly because I hate my brother. Guess what you're doing? You're actually walking in darkness. You still here? Yes. Watch this. He is walking in darkness. Say, I'm not going to do that. that. Moving on. uh, Verse uh, 10. He who loves his brother abides in what? So if you, I wish I had time. I don't. Abiding in light. So the light's referring to who here? God. It's referring to intimacy with God. That's the context of all what he's been saying. And so if you and I, again, verse 10, if we clearly, excuse me, verse 9, if we say that we are in the light, hate our brother, we're in darkness, 10, if we love our brother, we abide in what? So in other words, love's going to be seen through an intimate relationship with God. Can you see that? If I abide in light, if I walk in close union with God, what's going to be the evidence of that? I'm going to love my brother. And there is no cause for what? Stumbling in him. So in other words, Satan's going to have a hard time taking advantage of your life when you're walking in the love of God. Verse 11, he who hates his brothers in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has done what? Now let me help you. You know what that just said? You get out of the love of God and guess what you won't be able to do? Hear God clearly. God will not be able to lead you because he is love. You won't be able to see what God wants you to see. You won't be able to walk in what God wants you to walk in because you're bound by darkness. You're blinded by darkness. Moving on, now go over with me, please, to chapter 4. 1 John, excuse me, chapter 4. Same thought, same thought. He picks this back up in chapter 4. Beloved, let us do what? Love one another, for love is of what? What is love of? 
So love is of God, and everyone who loves is what? Born of God, and what? She can't just be born again. Got to know Him. This phrase again is intimacy with God. Can't just be born again. You got to do what? You have to make the effort to develop an intimate relationship with God. If I focus on loving people and I do not focus on intimacy with God, I will be deceived thinking I'm loving people because without intimacy with God, I don't know love. That's what the Bible, it just, look what it just said. If we love one another, uh, let us love one another, excuse me, for love is of God. And everyone who loves, everybody who walks in this love, what does he do? He's born of God and he what? What if I don't know God? You're not going to walk in that kind of love. You can be born again. So look at the two things. He's born of God and he what? So one's not enough. Born of God's not enough. Just being born again doesn't mean you're going to walk in the love of God. How are you going to walk in the love of God? You've got to know God. You've got to have intimacy with God. Yes. Verse 8, he who does not love does not what again? In other words, that's intimacy. He doesn't have intimacy with God because God is what? Love. What is he? Love. God is love. Now think about this. He poured out that love in your heart. Guess what you have within you? You got God in you. Obviously, you know that by the Holy Spirit, but I'm talking your spirit. Your spirit's one spirit with the Lord. Love's proof of that. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might do what? We might live through him. In this is love. Not that we what? Not that we love God, but that he did what? He loved us and sent his son to be what? Oh, shout about that. He sent him to be the propitiation for our sins. Meaning what? He took all your punishment. 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But the focus here isn't we ought to love one another. The focus is what's missed, knowing God. Because if you don't know God intimately, guess what you won't do? You won't walk in that kind of love. Anybody got any idea what number three is? You want to walk in the love of God. Number three, you got to have an intimate relationship with God. You've got to have an intimate relationship with God. If you don't have an intimate relationship with God, 1 John 2 and 1 John 4 says, you can say I walk in the light, but if you obviously clearly don't know God, you're in darkness and don't know it. Because you've got to be in intimacy with the light, with God to walk in this love. And nobody walks in this love without having intimacy with God. The reason a lot of the church, think about that. Now, don't, don't think about anybody in the room. Just think about yourself and the church as a whole. You want to know why the church does not walk in the love of God as a whole? Talking about Bible love. What the Bible tells us love is. You want to know why? They don't know God. They don't know God. How is it that people can look at sinners and say, uh, excuse me, believers living in sin and say, it doesn't matter. Seriously, it doesn't matter how you live because you're saved by grace. Can I tell you what that person saying that does not know? They don't know God. Because if they know God, they're not going to tell you it's okay to live in sin. It's going to hurt your life. There's no way they're going to tell you that. There's no way they're going to say, hey, now they might be deceived, but they're deceived. I'm going to tell you why, because they're not walking close with God. It's tough to walk in intimacy with God and get deceived. It's really hard. I said it's really hard. I said it's really hard. It's really hard to walk in intimacy with God and the devil take advantage of your life, as 1 John 2 said, and get you off in darkness. It's tough for him to do. 
Why? You walk close in intimacy with God. Guess what you're really doing? You're hearing God. Come on, somebody. Anybody want to walk in a greater love walk? Guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get as intimate in your walk with God as you can and like never before. I like something like I shared today where Jesus talked about to the church at Laodicea. Remember the church at Laodicea? You know what he said to him? I stand at the door and knock. I'm waiting for you to open. That wasn't written to sinners. That was written to a church. You want to know a part of what caused the church at Laodicea to get lukewarm? They weren't walking in intimacy with Jesus. Jesus said, I'm knocking at the door of your heart every day, wanting to walk with you. Wish you'd open the door. Wish you'd fellowship with me. But because you don't, you're lukewarm. Guess what that also tells me? If I walk in intimacy with God, I not only walk in love, I won't get lukewarm. I'll stay hot for God. Tell me intimacy with God isn't critical. So if we want to walk in love, thus saith the Bible, black and white, not my interpretation. He, I mean, the, the greatest verse about this is verse 7. If you, we're to love one another, but notice this, love is of God because everyone who loves, that's agape, that's the God kind of love. Everyone who does so is what? They're born of God and they know God. Can't just be born again. You got to walk in intimacy. If you don't have an intimate, close relationship with God, you're not going to walk in love. Now, I'll give you a phrase the Holy Spirit gave me years ago. It reminded me of it yesterday. Ready? Yes. To, to walk in love, you got to walk with love himself. <laughs> to walk in love, you've got to walk with love himself. If you walk with love, God, walk in intimacy with God, you'll walk in love. You listening? Yes. To walk in the love of God, what do I got to do? I got to walk with the love of God himself because he is love. If I walk with him, guess what you probably won't have any problem doing? Walking in love. That of, of all the keys I'm going to give you today is probably the most significant, but there are more. You ready for some more? A couple more? You got time for a couple more? 1 John 3. Back up. 1 John 3. These, I'll tell you, 1 John is like the love book of the Bible. 1 John chapter 3. I want you to back up with me, please, to verse 16 in 1 John 3. By this we know love. In other words, this is how we know True love, how we know agape love. Because he did what? Lay down his life for us. See, love is willing to be inconvenienced. Right. He laid down his life for us. Guess what? And we also ought to do what? Lay down our lives for the brethren. For the brethren. Yes. That means willing to make sacrifices to do what God's called us to do as believers in the planet. Yes. 17. But whoever has this world's goods, in other words, you have capability in your hands to help a brother in need and sees a brother in need and he shuts up the heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? If I have in my hands something I could help somebody with in some way and I see somebody that's in need and I could help them, but I don't, how does the love of God abide in him? As another brother in the Lord. 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in what? Deed and in truth. The phrase here doesn't mean don't love in, in word. How I many you know it's not, not good for you to use words that aren't loving? He's not saying, oh, just say what you want, but as long as you act in love, you're okay. That's not what he was saying. The Greek language says, don't love in word only. You listening? 
But you got to have actions that show that you truly love God. Now think about this. Love requires action. But here's how I want you to write it down. You ready? This is number four if you want to walk in the love of God. So love has to be what? Practiced. Has to be practiced. Nobody's obviously perfected it. But guess what? We can still get better at it by doing what? Practicing it. Because it requires action. If you take an example of an athlete and he wants to get good at something in the natural, guess what he's got to do? He's got to put some action. He's got to put some action to what he's going to do to practice to get better. He can't say, well, I want to be a better batter and just watch everybody else go to the batting cage. No, right? Correct? Guess what he's got to take time to do? Get in the batting cage and keep doing what? Practicing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, get in the batting cage every day and do what? Start practicing love. Go over the very 16 things we talked about of what love is. Find the things you're weakest in because that's where you want to start and do what? Start practicing them. Put them into practice. Don't just say you love people. Show it. Prove it by what you do. By based on the Word of God, what the Bible says love is. As you continue to practice love, guess what? It becomes easier. Can I get a better amen? Because now it begins to overtake your life. Because it becomes to become a part of your normal routine of what you do to live out your, di- your life every day from your spirit, man, and not your flesh. Any amens on that? So again, number four, what, what must we do? Love must be practiced. Practice. Last one, Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5. Man, I mean, you could literally almost create a series off of every one of these, clearly. And I'm just simply trying to give you Galatians 5. Five simple things that will help you to be able to walk in the love of God more and more as a child of God. First of all, you got to know and understand it. If you don't have knowledge of God's love, you may think you're walking in love, but you may not be. Two, you got to also do what? You got to make it a daily pursuit. Got to work on it every day. Don't wait till you got a need and say, oh, I better get in love so my faith will work. No, man. You need to be pursuing it every day. Number three, you got to also have what? Intimate relationship with God. And that, man, that's big. That's huge. I mean, without an intimate relationship with God, He clearly said you're not going to walk in love. It's not going to happen. And number four, you got to do what? You got to practice it. You got to practice it. You got to practice doing what love clearly does. You got to practice forgiveness. Amen? Yeah. you got to practice doing what Bible, the Bible says to be able to walk in love. Galatians chapter 5. So in Galatians 5, if you notice this in verse 22, as a born-again child of God, it tells us clearly that the fruit of the Spirit... Now, how many of you know this? I've, I've tr- shared this with you before. I credit Brother Hagin. I credit people who I learn stuff from for showing me this. I've borne it out through study of the Word, through the context that's being said here, realize again in the, in the context of the English language, there was no capitalization, there was no punctuation, all that was added by English translators. So when they read the actual Greek transcript here, in the context of what's being read here, there was no capitalization of the word spirit. English translator capitalized that. But the fruit of the Spirit's talking about your spirit. Because your spirit's been made brand new. Your spirit's been made in the image and likeness of God. Your spirit's one spirit with the Lord. If your spirit's one spirit with the Lord, guess what that means? It's just like Him. It's just like Him. So this isn't us trying to get these fruits of the Holy Spirit to work through us. No, this is you learning to do what? Learning to let your spirit man dominate what's already in there. And if you do, these things will come out. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's another way to say it. The fruit of my new man on the inside. 
the fruit of my new man on the inside is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's another way to say it. The man who's now within me is a man of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I studied this out one time. The Holy Spirit revealed this to me, and I thought, I got I to prove everything out, make sure I heard that from God. But the Lord told me this. He said, you know what, son? He said, if you work on walking in love, guess what will follow? Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You walk in love, you'll walk in self-control. You walk in love, you'll walk in gentleness. You'll walk in faithfulness. Can I get a better amen? You don't have to look at that whole list and say, I got to try to figure out how to do all that. If you walk in love, guess what will follow? Joy will. You're not going to walk in the love of God and not walk in joy. You're not going to walk in the love of God and not have peace. Come on, somebody. So all I got to really focus on is what? Love. Love. So back up to verse 16. Notice this. How do we do this? 16. I say then walk in the... Walk in the... Walk in the... Y'all in verse 16. I say then walk in the spirit. spirit and you shall not fulfill the... So the context is clear here. He's not talking about walk in the Holy Spirit and you won't fulfill what your flesh wants to do. He's talking about walk in your spirit and you won't do what your flesh wants to do. And all through the Bible, when you study the whole of Scripture in the New Testament about what we teach on all the time, which our men are going through a series on the total man, when you're governed by your spirit man, you're governed by these fruits. So guess what doesn't rule? Your flesh doesn't. The opposite of what these things are. Can I get an amen on that? Notice this, because the flesh, 17, does what? It lusts against the spirit. Guess what's opposed to your new man inside you? Your fleshly nature. The old fleshly nature does not want to do what your spirit man wants to do. Even Romans 7 bears this out because Paul talks about this internal battle. So he says this flesh of ours lusts against the spirit and... Our spirit against the flesh, meaning what? Your spirit will never submit to your fleshly man. If you're ruled by your flesh, guess, I, I taught this to our guys in the Total Man series from Dr. Summerall. If I'm, if I'm flesh ruled, so gentlemen, to walk as a total man, I obviously need to have what? A born again spirit, correct? But to walk as a total man, spirit, soul, and body, who's got to govern for me to walk as a spirit, as a total man? The Spirit does. Now, why is that? The reason that is is because the flesh, the soul, which is made up of mind, will, and emotions, and the body, still of a fallen nature, because that's why your mind has to be renewed. If that's, if that's going to govern you, guess what, guess what will not submit to that? Your spirit will not submit to that. Why? They're opposed to each other. Read it again. 17, the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. My spirit man will not do what my flesh wants to do in relationship to the context of my flesh. If my flesh looks to me, my spirit man, and submits to my spirit man, who's supposed to be come on gentlemen, total man, who's supposed to be the, uh, Jesus is our ultimate king. Who's supposed to be the dominion, the king person in your life? Your spirit man. Who's supposed to be the servant? The soul is. Who's the slave? The body is. Summerall proved that he lived it out. Hagen proved that he lived it out. When your spirit is the dominant man, what are you being led by? What are you being led by? The Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. So when my spirit's the dominant one, guess what I'm now living as? A total man. Because now my spirit 
my soul and my body are working as one. Are you listening? They're now working as one. What if I'm not listening to my spirit? What if I'm choosing what I want to do apart from my spirit? You're not living as a total man. You've excluded your spirit man. He's idle. You listening? Man could not become a total being again until Jesus died and was raised from the dead and could get us born again. But once he did, we have the ability, thus the reason for the series, the total man. We have, the, we have now the ability to be, again, a total man. Function the way God intended us to. But for that to happen, guess what has to dominate? Our spirit. Because the spirit and the flesh are going to constantly be in opposition to each other. If you don't know that yet, read on what the flesh is like. Verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, what are you not under as well? The law. You're not under the context of what, what we know clearly is the aspect of the rule of law in the sense of, of what God says is right and wrong. Why? Because your spirit's never going to lead you wrong. It's never going to lead you straight. You don't need a law. you got your spirit to govern you. 19, and the works of the flesh are? So clearly your spirit wants nothing to do with any of these. You ready? The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We should not be wanting to get good at any of those. What we should want to get good at is our spirit dominating. Any amens on that? So, if I learn to be dominated by my spirit man, guess what I don't have a problem with anymore? True. Walking in love. I'm talking about these verses though. If, I, if I'm dominated by my spirit, man, guess what I don't have a problem with anymore? My flesh. He's no longer a problem. Walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. He's not an issue anymore. Not an issue. See, this is why in some ways religion has mistaught us to focus on the flesh. No, 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 no. Focus on your spirit, man. Focus on the new man. Develop the new you. You got to deal with your flesh to do that because your flesh don't want to take time to read the Bible. Your flesh don't want to take time to come to, to hear uh, teaching like that. Your flesh doesn't want to do the things necessary to develop your spirit man. Why? It's opposed to your spirit man. See, so your spirit man is saying, I want to go do this. And your flesh is saying, no, 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 no. Right. Amen. So your flesh is involved. You have to tell your flesh, shut up. We're going to go do that. Amen. Shut up. I'm going to get close to God. Shut up. I'm going to God's house. Amen. You listening? You got to deal with your flesh, man. Your flesh is supposed to be what? It's supposed to be the servant to your spirit, man, not the other way around. Your spirit never will. Your spirit will never serve your flesh because they're opposed to each other. You should be happy about that. If your spirit, man, is not opposed to your flesh, I'll tell you how you fix it. How do you fix it? You get born again. Because the moment you get born again, guess what your spirit becomes? He becomes brand new like God, totally opposed to all this of the flesh, and therefore he's no longer in agreement with the flesh. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. So all I got to do is focus on learning to do what? Develop this spirit man and walk in the light of this spirit man. And that's a part of walking in love because number five, if you're ready for it, how do I walk in love, pastor? You must develop your spirit man. 
If you don't learn to develop your spirit, man, what's the first fruit of your new recreated human spirit? Love. So if you learn to develop the spirit, man, how many know your spirit can get stronger? The Bible says he's renewed day by day. What does that mean? He can get stronger. He can become more powerful. He can become more dominant in your life. But it takes a renewal day by day. Renewal of what? A renewal of subjecting your soul and your body to what God says you now have as a spirit being inside you and to develop that spirit man. So we've talked about this, right? If you want to develop physically, you know, I mean, come on, if you want to get as buffed as Matt is, you know, come on, try to take me on. If you want to do that, you know how many hours he spends in the gym? I remember when I was young, you know, I had a time because I wanted to gain weight and I couldn't, you know. I used to watch all these, you know, guys on TV, you know, that were big old, and they give you all these tips on how to do stuff and everything, you know. And I mean, the, I mean, some of these guys look like freaks. I mean, seriously, I mean, some of them just like really, like, wow, where did that come? I mean, there's so many muscles. It's like, is there anything under all those muscles, you know? But obviously, to develop a natural muscle, what do you got to do? You got to go to the gym. You got to go to the gym. You got to go to some physical gym, some physical exercise somewhere. Hey. To develop spiritually, guess what you got to do? You got to go to the spiritual gym, ladies and gentlemen. Your spirit's not going to get developed without going to the gym. You know, one of the times you have, God told you, you know, one of the times you have a spiritual gym in this church? Monday nights. Because after we get done praying for what God directs us to, guess what we do the rest of the time? Pray in the Holy Spirit. What a waste of time. Are you kidding me? When you pray in the Spirit, you're building up your spirit, man. Now, you can do that all the time, and you should. You can do that all throughout the day as a believer. But, I mean, seriously, how many people are going to devote an hour of time for nothing more than that spiritual development? Now, think about it. How many hours do people devote to a gym to do nothing more than work on their body? And we couldn't do that for spiritual things? Come on, somebody. See, you're not going to develop your spirit, man, without doing what? Going to the spiritual gym. Guess what you're doing right now if you're listening to God? You're in the spiritual gym. So you got to understand, if I want to walk in love, I also must do what? I got to develop that spirit, man. Because if I don't, guess who's going to keep dominating? My flesh will. My flesh will. So I have to work on developing my spirit, man, as well. Can I review them with you one more time? Five things I gave you to walk in love today. Number one, we got to know the knowledge of God's love. We have to know the knowledge of God's love. We have to go to the Bible, as I've given you detailed teaching now and actual handouts. That's what God's love looks like. God's love hates inequity. God doesn't hate the sinner, but he hates the sin because it's hurting their life. God loves truth. Come on, somebody. God's love is kind and gracious. God's love is patient and long-suffering. Oh, I just don't know if I can put up with them any longer. Well, let me help you. Your flesh can't, but love can. Amen? So you got to know what love is. Number two, you got to do what? You got to make walking in love a daily pursuit. You got to make it a daily pursuit of your life because every day, guess what the devil's going to do through your mind? He's going to challenge you to get out of love and to walk in the flesh. Number three, we got to do what? We got to have an intimate relationship with God. And man, as I've said before, you probably ought to circle, highlight, have arrows pointing to that one because the intimate relationship with God, of all five of them, they're all important. But I'll guarantee you that will affect your love walk more than anything you can name. Anything. Intimacy with God. Number four, you got to do what? Practice it. Love has to be practiced. It doesn't just happen. It takes actions and you got to practice it. And then number five, you got to do what? Develop spiritually. You got to develop spiritually. 
If you, I love this in, the, in, a, in another translation here in Galatians 5. Uh, I didn't get to read the rest of these verses. I'll look at it real quick with you. In verse 24, if you've already closed up shop, that's okay. I'll just read it to you. It says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He goes on to say, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So if we're born again, what should we do? Be governed by this new spirit, man. But back up here in verse 6 when it says, I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is another translation. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs. How do you walk in the Spirit? Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. That's walking in the Spirit. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. The inner guy, the inner man. And you won't walk in the flesh. Hallelujah. And the first fruit that will come out, love. Be the first fruit. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.